All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. (laughs) We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. (laughs) They let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a (laughs) win-win-win. This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June, so don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what if if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. enjoying being in this conference. I heard the preachers this morning, tremendous preachers. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, The world-class preaching. We are a fellowship of preachers. Last night we lost the lights and I gave you a shot of miscellaneous thoughts on religious subjects. (laughs) Uh, We live in a day when uh, people are looking for direction. They will follow someone who they think knows where they're going and has their best interest at heart. Two distinctive periods uh, in the last uh, 40, 50 years. One of these is the tragedy in Jonestown, Guyana, where some 900, 900 people committed suicide, made a profound impact on the world, the religious world, uh, and did great damage to the thought of discipleship. I remember I was preaching in Perth when that happened, and God spoke to me 
and said, this is going to hinder, it's going to affect you. And I said, Jonestown, Guyana, how's it going to affect us? But it did. Immediately, when you begin to talk about discipleship, they say, oh, you're part of a cult. And that label was put upon us, and uh, many people tried to make it stick. Another event took place, which was the... Uh, Jesus People Movement, and in that Jesus People Movement, there were a group of men that were a part of what's called the Shepherding Movement. Don Basham, uh, Derek Prince, Charles Simpson, Ern Baxter, there's five of them, and the Jesus People Movement was tremendously affected by them as they began to give direction that everyone need to be under headship and they begin to direct the Jesus People Movement uh, to great effect. So discipleship, I remember that they begin to uh, say, no, don't, don't talk. We're, you need to mentor. I said, I don't see any mentoring in the Bible. What I see is discipleship. I don't care whether they like it or not. That's what I'm doing is discipleship. So Having said that, then we begin to have to define and begin to clarify what discipleship really is. Many people who said they were discipling were actually dominating people. Matthew 20, if you turn with your Bibles, I want to talk to you about domination versus discipleship. Matthew 20, verse 20. 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What do you want? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And they said unto him, Yeah, we're able. And he said unto them, You shall drink indeed of my cup, be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are, that are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister." And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man uh, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life uh, a ransom for many. Domination versus uh, discipleship. There's a subtle danger that we need to consider here. And we see uh, this operative in many dimensions in the world today. We see in Syria today, a man is ruling named Assad. He's a dictator. 
He's allowing uh, people to be killed year after year after year. Uh, not giving any heed to what's taking place because he's the dictator. They're going to do what he wants them to do. There is a uh, man that just was removed from power in, in Mozambique, Mugabe. And he did resign and uh, he's dominated that country for years to great danger. And then we all know about Rocket Man in Korea. These people come to power uh, under the idea that uh, they're going to serve the people, but uh, almost to a man, they have exploited the people that they have dominion over. And uh, this is a dimension that we need to understand because it gives meaning to what you and I are involved in, which is discipleship and church planting. Communism and Islam both have dimensions of this. In the communism, uh, this, uh, this ideology comes to power with the thought that uh, the, pro the, the proletariat are going to organize until everybody's going to be equal and so they never do uh, step down from that but dominate the people under the guise that they're going to make everyone equal. Uh, the imams in uh, uh, Iran and uh, these Muslim countries do the same thing. So what we really have is tyranny, and uh, this is a trend also in religion. Leaders who lorded over the flock. Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority over them. Now we know that to have a church function, to have a religious function, there must be order. You have to have a creed. You have to have people that will say when certain things are going to be done. Matthew 23, 24, and 25. But they, uh, but they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. Lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works uh, they do to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders uh, of their garments. So we need to understand this evening that there is a uh, principle, there is a structure in place, uh, and that structure is someone has to take charge, someone has to set the course. Uh, but the difficulty is that many times men who are pastors micromanage in every facet of life, in every issue. In Jesus' day, they were doing this. They were the priests, and they uh, were ministering to them, and they uh, uh, caused the people to tithe the herbs, uh, one of the great imageries that uh, you can think about. Mustard seeds, the smallest uh, and think about now you're going to tie the mustard seed one, two, three, four, five, and you're very specific that you're going to tie every single issue, every herb of your garden, and make sure that there's no defilement or uh, and you do this uh, uh, worship. But many times in the Christian world, that's carried forward, and the pastors never associate with the common people but they are an elite and the people never 
get any ministry or relationship with them, they're elevated to a place. That is not discipleship. Uh, that's domination. Uh, and God deliver you if you're involved in that and said, this is happening in your church. Uh, why the Lord help you for that. Jesus uh, was shocking in his ministry because uh, he ate with sinners. This was something that was not done. He touched lepers. Lepers have a communicable disease. And he talked to women at the well. Probably she was a prostitute, the commentators say. But here's our danger today. We are a church planting. We are a discipleship making ministry. And our danger is that we abuse the power that comes with the office. Think with me that actual case is a pastor. And uh, he actually was preaching to his congregation. He said, if you don't pray a certain amount, you're not really saved. And uh, also in that church, when women had babies, uh, they were not allowed to take off from outreaches, but only three weeks. They had to get back on the streets uh, and take that baby with them. And this is the rule. And, of course, he was saying, this is what our fellowship does. No, that's what he did. But our fellowship does not do that. But many other things we could talk about. And uh, I remember uh, when you're making disciples, uh, uh, he began to uh, propagate some of this stuff that was there before we were able to get to him and pop him and straighten his head out. We were in the uh, tour of Israel last November, and as we were there, we had one man. And on the back of his T-shirt, he, he had the, the writing and letters, uh, the beatings will stop when the morale improves. <laughs> I got a feeling that probably that was what given to him by one of his disciples and wake him up, but I'm not sure. So let's... Uh, think for a moment because we need people skills uh, and uh, this uh, is one of the greatest issues uh, in ministry is people, people skills I never worry about our pastors learning to preach, they will learn to preach but whether they succeed or fail is whether they learn people skills uh, that means they're able to work with people and salvage them uh, when they're in problems uh, once in a while, I do a seminar on in an afternoon in the Bible conference in Prescott, and I call it butchers and surgeons. Both of them have similar occupation. They cut meat. One removes the spiritual cancer and tumor from the people. The other leaves a carcass. Imagery is butchers and surgeons. And so let's ponder this. Because uh, uh, many people who are pastors, they counsel people, they dominate their will, they begin to uh, abuse them, they only say, you can only take holidays when I have the, give you the permission. From time to time I have men come, or women say, come and say, we're going to take a holiday, we're going that. Say, why are you telling me? Well, I just want you to know. Say, well, this is not a cult. You know whether you ought to take a holiday or not, how long you ought to go, what it ought to be about. But 
these things are practiced, and generally when they're practiced, uh, this is what the fellowship does. But that's not what the fellowship does, that's what you do. And you blame it on that. I'm famous for words that uh, I supposedly have said. And uh, <laughs> Pastor Mitchell said, some of these I hear, I say, where did you ever get that idea? <laughs> Pastor Richard Ruby, uh, he calls me from time to time. He said, Pastor, I want to ask you, I'm preaching. And they said, I want to ask you, did you say this or did you do that? Uh, and he doesn't want to make reference to that to make sure that I did say that or I did do that. I appreciate that. Because many just say, this is what Pastor Mitchell said. And when I hear that, I say, where on earth did you ever get that idea? So pastors uh, many times have an agenda to dominate. One of the most horrible things that I see is people who are going to get married. How many of you know that marriage is a very serious issue? You're going to affect the rest of your life when you get married. And years ago, uh, I had people that were telling me they're going to get married. And uh, so I said, that's fine. You got a job. That's important. You got a job, you know. You have a place to live. I remember when I was pastoring in Australia in 81, the first question I would ask them, uh, do you have a place to live? Do you have a job? Those two questions are very important and I was astonished how many people in Australia they didn't have a job nor did they have a place to live <laughs> I preached several sermons on working how many of you how many of you are around when I preached uh, sermons on on working I see a few here Terry Slade and so he's had a job ever since so <laughs> So, uh, one thing I learned is, you're not marrying me. <laughs> and you're going to set the course of the rest of your life by who you marry. Whether you're male or female. And that decision ought to be made by you, not by me. Can you say amen? amen. When you get married... Why, it sets a course of your life, and I make sure that I'm not going to manipulate people. But I see pastors, they manipulate. You know, they've got a good, uh, a good convert, and uh, she's going to marry somebody in another church. And all of a sudden, he finds bad news about that guy. He said, you know, you're going to marry him, because he doesn't want to lose that good convert. I met a, a, a lady, at, uh, I think it was Sunday, for dinner out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I said, how did you get here? <laughs> uh, she's a pretty girl, and he, uh, he hooked her, and uh, somehow he talked, to, he talked her into moving to Australia and marrying him. And uh, I couldn't blame him. I thought, you made a good choice there. <laughs> but, but getting her out of Las Vegas was another task. So that's one thing I stay out of because you're affecting people for the rest of their life. People try to nom dominate them. And uh, I remember some uh, years ago, I had a man come to me. Christianity is a volunteer movement. How many of you know that? It's a volunteer movement. And I had a man come to me, and uh, as he came to me, he said, uh, Pastor, he said, I want to give you my check when I get my paycheck, I want you to 
ministered out to me so I don't spend it all in once. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. My job is to teach you how to spend your money wisely. And that's not my job to tell you that. I'm ministering to you to give you some wisdom, give you some self-control. That's your job to do that. And if I, if I am successful with that, then I'm a successful pastor. So let's ponder this for a moment because God has given every person a choice. One of the glorious things that God did in creation, he created man with a will. He will not violate that and the devil can't violate that. So if you say, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do anything. He can't make you do it. He will influence you, but he can't make you do anything. You sin because of your choice. You refuse to sin because of your choice. And one of the great things about discipleship is to teach people to make the right choice in the will of God. There was a story told about a man, and he's driving sheep. And as he's there, he's screaming at them. He's uh, throwing rocks at them. And somebody saw him and said, no, 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 no. Uh, you don't do that as a shepherd. You don't drive sheep. You lead sheep. He said, I'm not a shepherd. That's a slaughterhouse. I'm taking to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> So let's ponder this for a moment because Solomon was asked of God a question. This is a decisive moment of his life. God said to him, Solomon, tell me what I can give you. Now think about that here tonight. If God asked you tonight, what do you want that I can give you? Well, there's women sitting all over here. They'd say, I, I want a husband, a wealthy husband, a good one. <laughs> Lots of luck. But think about that. What would you ask for tonight? Well, I want a church. Not a small church. I want about this size here. I believe I can handle that. So when he asked Solomon, give me a wish. What do you want? Solomon said, God, I want wisdom so that I can minister to help your people. And God said, I like that. He didn't ask for the death of his enemies. He didn't ask for a lot of money. He had the most wisdom, they say, in the scripture. One of the wisest men that ever lived on planet Earth was Solomon. He wrote a thousand songs. I can't even sing one. <laughs> Much less write one. He didn't uh, want all these things, but he said, I want wisdom to be able to minister and help your people. And God said, I like that. Because you didn't ask for another thing, I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to give you blessing. And uh, uh, during Solomon's uh, reign, they said that gold was uh, plenty everywhere. Silver wasn't even valued much because God poured into Solomon's coffers uh, abundant wealth, uh, but God did that for him because he wanted wisdom to help his people. Now, are you listening to me, Pastor? Are you listening to me, you who want to be a pastor? So what we're dealing with then is a love for people. That's the issue. 
If you do not love people, you're not going to make it in ministry. Because there's lots of nasty people out there. They're not going to like you. They're not going to be kind to you. They're going to betray you. One of the great tests of life is the people you help the most are usually the ones that kick you in the rear end and depart from you. But that's something that you have to understand. Those are God's people. And you have to give them every opportunity to succeed. The word minister is a very interesting word. They used to call pastors ministers. How many of you ever remember? They called pastors ministers. The reason they called them that is that this defined what they were to be and what they were to do. So I uh, preached in uh, Sydney on John Mark, who was a part of Paul's uh, evangelistic team who departed from him, went back to the church in Jerusalem, and it said they had John Mark to their minister. That meant that he was a part of the team to serve the needs of that evangelistic team. And there was a period of time when they used to call pastors uh, ministers because they were ones uh, that had the office to serve uh, the people uh, of God. I had an evangelist friend some years ago called Dick Mills. And Dick Mills is talking about, he'd been an evangelist all of his life. And he said, you know what? He said, uh, I have pastors come to me and say, uh, uh, Brother Mills, I can use you. He said, I want to be used. (laughs) I want to minister. And that word offended him because he put in his mind, these people were going to take advantage of whatever benefit he could give them. And uh, that, uh, that offended him. So think about this now. People will follow someone who they feel has their best interest at heart. Very interesting because uh, uh, many times people are sitting in audiences and sitting in congregations. uh, And as they're sitting there, often it comes to their mind uh, and the the pastor conveys this. uh, They're thinking there, what are you trying to get out of me? Rather than the thought that this man is here to help me, this man wants to serve me, this man has my best interest at heart, because discipleship is a serving people to enable them to become the people that God has called them to be and will go to any lengths to bring that to pass. I often ask people, have people ask me, uh, give me a definition of discipleship. And I said, what discipleship is, is having a sincere desire to help other people become the people that God has called them to be and do anything that you can to bring that to pass. So let's bring this down now to the key element. One of the problems that you have in uh, ministry is the tendency to partiality. God speaks in the Bible about partiality. James chapter 2 verse 9. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin. And you're convicted of the law as transgressors. James 3 verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality uh, and without hypocrisy. 
one of the great tests of disciple making is to minister to people equally uh, without favoritism, which is what partiality is, uh, not favoring other people because you like them or because they're uh, speaking good words about you. How many of you know that flattery is one of the great human uh, uh, human failings and uh, people that they want to get favors from? They, you're such a fantastic preacher, you know, and, and I always look at these people and, uh, you know, I look at the mirror every day. So uh, I'm not carried away by people saying how, what a great person I am. And so a disciple maker must avoid the appearance of favoritism. This is true concerning your family. I raised five children. As I raised those five children, they were raised in church. And as they were raised in church, I showed no partiality. One of the great problems for pastors that show partiality, I remember very well, because I kept control of my children, I remember very well. I'm preaching, and I'm out there watching one of my daughters, and I stopped and called her name. I said, Sharon, come up here and sit in this chair. <laughs> I want to tell you, it was a long, long time before she repeated that sin. <laughs> are, are you listening to me? So, because the people are watching you as you raise your children, and if you're partial raising your children... You cut them slack, you won't cut anybody else any slack. This is the rules, so that's what we've got to do. And so this involves uh, morals, where the great problems are pastors that their children uh, violate in morals, and they don't treat them like they treat the rest of the people. So here we have this business. Uh, discipleship uh, means that you treat everyone uh, equally. There's a revolutionary mindset uh, and uh, this is Christianity. And uh, the pathway to greatness is found in this text, Matthew 20, verse 26 and 27. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your uh, servant. So uh, this is crucial that you practice this. Uh, and there is a contrasting approach that's often used. So let's ponder this for a moment because the overriding principle that is to govern is exampleship and servanthood, regardless of who they are, related to you, they flatter you, they're your friends or what. First Peter chapter five, verse two and three. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight of it, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a steady mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Jesus embodies this, verse 28 of Matthew, uh, Matthew 20. Uh, we read these words, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Beware of fellowship traditions. Many people develop fellowship traditions, tradition, or they call these fellowship traditions, and they're not really fellowship traditions. They're some kind of rule they want to impose 
And so the words very frequently, that's the way Prescott does it. When we hear that, we say, where did you ever get that idea? And that's not what Pastor Mitchell said. And so this is crucial that we do that. I use this illustration of Richard Ruby, Richard Ruby one of our premier pastors. Uh, and before he's going to say, this is what Pastor Mitchell did or said, he always calls me and said, is this true? And about 50% of the time, no, it's not true. Somebody picked up this idea. They wanted to give clout. They need, need clout. And I often say, get your own clout. Don't try to use my clout. <laughs> oh, dear. The issue that we're dealing with, and I want to make this point for a moment, is that we're dealing with people, people who have eternal destinies. I was thinking recently, probably about six months ago, I got to pondering this, and it just came to me profoundly, more than I'd ever thought about this, that I'm, I'm sending people out to plant churches, I'm discipling people. I'm shaping their their mindset. I'm shaping what I'm asking them to do. And this has eternal destinies and has eternal consequences. And so, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. In like manner, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So ponder this not for a moment with me because unless you work in this dimension as you're making disciples, you're going to go off course. You don't make disciples according to your own partiality. You don't make uh, disciples according to how you deal with them. You don't make disciples uh, in favoritism. But you begin to deal with each person because you're shaping a soul for eternity. And they're going to shape other souls. And so very, be very sure that you begin to understand uh, what the climate of your church is. I think it's in the leadership they mentioned the climate of the church. I was teaching discipleship somewhere and I said, uh, other pastor is responsible to set the climate of discipleship in their church. In 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, says talks about us uh, shaping other people. And as we do that, if you set a proper climate, You'll have your people now making disciples. They'll do a lot of things that you can't do. They can speak to people about things that you know nothing about. I think it's Joe Campbell who said, the teenagers in my church, they know about what's going on in my church, and I do. Every one of them have a cell phone, and they constantly are texting each other. And I find out people that the whole church know about, I not know anything about but all the teenagers know them. Because their life is governed by that little thing that they hold in their hand for good or for bad. A lot of bad comes out of that. So let's ponder this for a moment because we have the responsibility to set a climate of disciple making. And that is transmitted person to person and soul to soul. So here we have it. I said 
Everyone is looking for direction in life. They automatically reference off of other people. And if they find somebody that they think knows where they're going, the sad thing is they don't know where they're going. They're wandering around planet Earth playing with their toy in their hand. You still with me? Some of you are frowning at me. Good. Many of you have teenagers who have no business with that thing. If I was raising teenagers today, thank God I got my kids raised before I had to fight that battle. But if I was raising kids today, you're not, you don't have that. Because you can't govern where that goes. But I want to tell you, it's going places that are causing tremendous damage. And you think you know what your kids are doing. You don't. Because they're following a world that you are not in control of. Ministry is serving people because you're setting their eternal destinies. And if you're a pastor tonight, you're called to be a minister. Jesus here is setting the guidelines for his disciples. He's making disciples that are going to affect people for eternity. He's making disciples that are going, to, are going to determine whether all that he put into them is going to succeed or fail. And so he's putting in them this principle. Mama comes and Mama says, uh, when you come into your kingdom, how many of you know that what Mama does isn't always right? Quit frowning at me. <laughs> well, I, well, we got it all out now. Pastor Mitchell hates women. No, I don't. <laughs> But I have a bit of experience with women. So he says to mama, it's not mine to give. That's my father in heaven that does that. But you shouldn't be ambitious for your boys to get the chief spot. The important thing for them is that they learn to be a minister. They learn to serve others. And perhaps God will bless them as he blessed Solomon. Tell me what you want, Solomon. And Solomon says, uh, I want a heart that I can help your people. And God said, I like that. Because you didn't ask for the revenge for your enemy, because you didn't ask for wealth, uh, because you didn't ask for all these things, uh, I'm going to give all those to you because you have a heart uh, for what I have a heart for. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Domination or discipleship? Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.